Crack fans, the NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins for all you football fans. And now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out as well. In addition to the usual bets, Everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Maybe you're a fan of a lesser-heralded team. Maybe it's the Detroit Lions. I'm just speaking off the top of my head here. I don't know any Lions fans, but maybe you do, and maybe that hypothetical Lions fan has noticed the fact that Jared Goff seems to hit his passing yards number in every game these Detroit Lions have played thus far. What you're going to do, little same game parlay. You'll take the Detroit Lions as an underdog, as they so frequently seem to be. You'll take whichever of their skill position players. Maybe it's Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, the Jared Goff passing yards total. You're going to parlay them together, and it's going to make things even sweeter. In fact, you can throw down on step up same game parlays once per game day all season long. Here's how it works. You're going to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code AOD to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. Again, that's code AOD only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply if you or someone you know has a gambling problem. Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP-IN-ARIZONA, or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 877-HOPE-NY in New York, OPGR.org in Oregon, call text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings. It's time to say those magical words that we seemingly say at the start of every week here on this segment. It's another jam-packed week of action in the pro tennis world. And of course, always helps to have four tour-level events. We're going to stay occupied here as tennis fans all week long. Perhaps the event on the top of our minds, though, that WTA 500 San Diego Open happened this week. I know I made a similar argument in regards to Ostrava last week, but simply put, player for player, pound for pound, one could easily argue that this week's San Diego Open is the strongest draw we have seen throughout the course of this 2022 season. I mean, always helps to have world number one Iga Sviantek in your field. And of course, Iga acting as the top seed once again this week in San Diego, coming off of her final appearance in Ostrava last week. Of course, you've also got a handful of other players still alive in that race for the year-end championships in Fort Worth. You've got players like Paula Bat- Dosa, your number two seed here this week, Arena Sabalenka, Jessica Pagula, Maria Sakari, Daria Kasakina, Caroline Garcia, Coco Goff, and so many more. Again, 
one could argue, player for player, slot for slot in the draw. This is the strongest field that we have seen this season. Of course, if that action isn't enough for you, rest assured, we've still got three other tour-level events happening. Of course, the WTA 250 in Romania has certainly taken a hit over the course of the past week, losing players like Barbara Krachikova, Emirata Kanu to injuries. That said, plenty of compelling storylines, plenty of compelling players to keep our attention here at Crack Rackets. Hopefully it'll do the same for all of you tennis fans out there as well. Of course, on the men's side, similarly, that chase for the championship continues. You see players like a Felix Ogier-Aliassim. You see players like Matteo Berrettini, Andre Rublev, all trying to position themselves for one of those final eight spots at the year-end championship. Of course, you've got plenty of other players jockeying for top 50 position, top 100 position as we get ready to turn the calendar to the new year as such. And I know I've said this repeatedly uh, of late on this show, but I know the Grand Slams are in the rearview mirror. There's not that much tennis left here in this 2022 season. And yet, shout out to the tours. It certainly has felt like each of these past weeks have continued to matter. And given how narrow the margins are in these chase for the championships on both the men's and women's side, it feels like we're going to get some high quality tennis down the home stretch of 2022. Of course, our job here on this Ace of the Day segment is to preview all of that high level tennis for all of you Cracked Rackets listeners. As always, my plan for this show to offer my Aces of the Day, my picks via the value we see by our friends on the DraftKings Sportsbook. I want to run you through my favorite picks on the day, but then, of course, spend about 30 seconds to a minute previewing each match that's going to happen over the next 24 hours at the tour level. Of course, if you're looking for recap content, we're ready to rock and roll once again on the Mini Break podcast feed. No doubt I slacked over the past couple of days. I won't lie. I've felt significantly fatigued from doubling up in my role. I'm on the broadcast from about 4 a.m. to 9 a.m. every Every morning for Tennis Channel's T2 streaming service. Yes, that, my friends, is called a humble brag in this business. But, of course, you get up 4 a.m. for... 10 out of the past 14 days, it's just going to mess up your sleep schedule. And unfortunately, did not make the sort of time I should have for the Mini Break podcast over the past few days. That said, have a very special guest joining me on Monday. It's my dear friend, Gil Gross, to help me discuss everything that's happened over the past few days on both the ATP and WTA tours. If you're looking for that recap content, thoughts on Djokovic's title run last week, thoughts on Krachikova's title run last week, and so much more, be sure to go check out that mini break podcast, which you can find on our website, Cracked Rackets, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Of course, a massive shout out once again to our friends at DraftKings for their support of this show. They understand the necessity of providing daily previews to all of you tennis fans. And again, this is a show we've wanted to do for a while here at Cracked Rackets because of the support we get from our friends at DraftKings. We now finally can. With that said, again, today's show, going to look at the next 24 hours of tennis, Tuesday, October 11th, no matter where you win no matter where you live, excuse me, across the globe, of course. Got three aces for you as we look at all of Tuesday's matches. Plenty of other thoughts I want to share, uh, just storylines I think all of you tennis fans should look out for as the next 24 hours of play unfolds. But with that said, let's get to it. Here are today's GSP aces of the day. My thoughts for all of Tuesday, October 11th's action. Let's start with a WTA match where... 
you know, when in doubt, trust your eyes. That's going to be the theme of today's show. Certainly early in the week, there's always a little bit of hesitancy from anyone who likes to be in the picks game here in professional tennis because, of course, Monday, Tuesday, you're still seeing everyone typically compete for the first time during the event. As tennis fans, we take those first two days, Monday, Tuesday, to get a grasp of what the conditions are like at every event. Is it going to be more Nur-Sultan where the courts are playing extraordinarily slow, extraordinarily high bouncing, or will things look more like Toronto or Rotterdam or some of the quicker indoor hard courts as so many of these events are being played on indoor hard courts this week? Will the surfaces play more, again, to which extreme side of the argument, or maybe you find them smack dab in the middle. And as such, once we know those conditions, we can adjust accordingly our expectations for each and every player playing uh, throughout the course of each of these tour level events. That said, that's a long filibuster in my way of saying when in doubt here early in the week, you're not 100% confident in your picks. You got to trust your eyes. You got to trust your gut feeling. With that said, ace of the day, number one for me, as we look at Tuesday, October 11th. And Got to give a shout out to our super producer, not Daniel Westoff, but behind the scenes, my former college roommate, maybe my dearest friend in the world, Michael Azapardi. His birthday is Tuesday, October 11th. If someone who listens to this podcast wants to tweet out, hey, happy birthday, Michael, that would mean a lot to me. It would show that people do listen to this show, which I can then show to him. The point is, I have a lot of crazy ideas. I need people to help me filter them out. No one over the years has helped me filter out more stupidity than my former college roommate, dearest friend, Michael Azapardi. So happy birthday to him. We're going to deliver him some victories here on Tuesday, October 11th. And the first of those victories is going to be Harriet Dart. Minus one and a half games tomorrow as she takes on Ocean Doden. Now, I can already hear what some of you are saying. Wait. Isn't Oden 1-0 in her career against Harriet Dart? Didn't Oden beat Dart earlier this season on a hard court? And, you know, the answer to that question is, unfortunately, I suppose for me, yes, you look for Ocean Doden, a 5-4 and four victory over Harriet Dart in Doha qualifying back in February. But it's been a tale of two completely different seasons since that point. And let's start with Harriet Dart. 26 years old is Dart, 24 and 26 overall for the year. That said, that number is a bit misleading. As you look for Dart, despite being 24 and 26, she actually reached a career high earlier this season of number 84 back at the end of July. She's currently sitting at number 90 in the rankings. And for the 26-year-old to establish herself as a top 100 player, that's been the lowercase b breakout that Dart has experienced throughout the course of this year. You look for Harriet Dart. Since the start of the June grass court season, she's made a couple of quarterfinals at the tour level, quarterfinals in Nottingham, quarterfinals in Eastbourne on the grass courts. Of course, she reached uh, second round Wimbledon as well before getting knocked out three sets by Jessica Pagula. Certainly, it feels like the faster the surface. And by the way, Nottingham. Eastbourne, obviously, grass courts. What's the closest thing you can get to a grass court that's not on grass? Probably an indoor hard court. And watching day one of Romania being on the call for that Cluj-Napoca matches uh, for T2, it does feel like Romania is playing on the quicker side of an indoor hard court. It does feel like if you are a player who has big weapons, this surface will reward those weapons. Of course, you look for Dart since that grass court run, you know, hasn't been the best on the hard courts and 
did get a good win over Zanevska in Granby. Good first round win, obviously three sets over Kasakina at the U.S. Open was disappointing for her to lose that follow-up match to former world junior number one Dalma Golfi in that second round of the U.S. Open. But, you know, she qualifies in Puerto Rose before a three-set loss to Martin Sova, wins a match in Monastir before getting knocked out by Alize Cornet. The big picture thinking, again, you look for Harriet Dart overall here this season. She's just gone about establishing herself that she can compete at the WTA level you know, clay court's still a work in progress, but on the quicker surfaces, the grass courts, the hard courts, that has, you know, darts weapons at this point unequivocally translate to those surfaces. Now, again, from a consistency standpoint, from a first serve percentage standpoint, dart making only 54% of her first serves here this season. That's probably why she is you know, hovered around that top 100, sometimes dip her toes into the top 100, sometimes finds herself just outside of that group. That said, if you've watched Harriet Dart plays, you know, it's in the Belinda Bencich model, a line drive, first strike, power tennis, wants to be inside the baseline sort of player. And I do think in Romania, that game style in particular is going to be rewarded. And again, you look for Dart overall this season on hard court, 16 and 16. She's made, you know, main draws at the tour level. She qualifies in Australia to start the year before first round loss to Iga. No shame in that. Qualifies in Melbourne to start the year before first round loss to Madison Keys. Keys was arguably the second, third best player on tour during the month of January. So no shame in those losses. Reaches round of 16 at Indian Wells this year. Really impressive wins over Konya, Svitolina, Kanepi before getting knocked out by Keys once again. Now, you know, again, a big win over Kasakina at the U.S. Open. We've seen the flashes from Harriet Dart all season long. And I do think the 26-year-old's Again, whether it's the backhand, how fluid she is off that side, if she has a little time, she absolutely rips into the forehand. I think Harriet Dart is the better player and has certainly played better of late than her opponent tomorrow, fellow, uh, soon to be, excuse me, fellow 26-year-old, but fellow 1996-born player, Ocean Dodin of France. And I mean, you look for Dodin, 22 and 29 overall on this season, perhaps even more concerningly, 7-16 and 16 on the hard courts is Doden this season. Now, yes, she beat Harriet Dart, again, in qualifying in Doha 5-4 and four early in the year, but since qualifying for that Doha match, you look uh, for Dart. She had a, uh, she's lost, excuse me, 10 of her last 11 matches on hard courts here this season. And, you know, yeah, some of the losses you can understand, Fernandez, Martin Sova, Ostapenko, Georgie, but... You know, lost to Audrey Elby, 7-6 in the third at an 80K first round. That's not acceptable. Three-set loss to Simona Walter, first round of the 60K in Bronx, isn't unacceptable, but not a great loss. Three-set loss to Tamara Korpach. She's lost matches to Astra Sharma this year, Arena Barra this year on the hard courts. It's just been a struggle for Dodent, who, of course, was down 5-2 in the final round of qualifying in the first set before retiring from that match against Rakimova. Now, Dodan gets into the main draw here in Romania as a lucky loser. And there's no doubt we've seen from time to time players capitalize on that opportunity to get into an unexpected main draw. They play a little bit more freely as such. They ultimately go on a run or two, win a match or two uh, throughout the course of an event. Yes, am I concerned that Dodan may pull the ripcord on this match midway through the first set and ultimately end up retiring? Certainly, it's in the realm of possibilities. That said, when I look at this match tomorrow... 
again, eye test wise, recent result wise, Harriet Dart has just been the better player. And you look for Harriet Dart, you can get her minus one and a half games tomorrow over Doden at minus 125 via our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, if you want to take Dart on the money line, minus 145, you're a bit apprehensive as Doden did beat her in straight sets. You know, literally when they played earlier this season, I I can't blame you if you get a little tentative. Minus 145 on the money line, not that different than the value of minus 125 and the minus one and a half games. But, you know, let's say Dodan does play extraordinarily physical or manage to just, again, coax a, a run of errors out of Harriet Dart. Dart doesn't have to win in straight sets to cover a minus one and a half game spread. To be honest, if there's a lopsided set, and I really anticipate there might be, she doesn't even have to win the match to cover the minus one and a half game. So we just have more options with Dart minus one and a half. And again, recent form, Doden pulling out of that final match of qualifying. I'm not entirely sure we'll get to see this match played from start to finish, but if we do, give me the power tennis of Harriet Dart. Minus one and a half games over Doden. Minus 125. Again, we're sticking with this theme of conservative wagers early in the week. Let's go a quarter of a unit on that one to win 0.2 in return. That said, I want to take this opportunity to, again, jump around the board a little bit here as I really like the matches tomorrow in Romania. Starts out with just a banger. Anastasia Potapova taking on Ann Lee. Potapova, a former world junior number one. Ann Lee, a former junior Grand Slam finalist. Now, Potapova's had the better season, no doubt. Has established herself as a top 50 player. Is top 10 in break percentage amongst top 50 players on the WTA Tour. Has, you know, again, made a couple of finals here this year at the Tour level. And just continues to show off that immense physicality and, you know, a variety of things that Potapova is able to do. That said, if you're asking me from a firepower perspective, who is more consistent in their aggression from the baseline, the answer would be the American, Ann Lee, who, despite, you know, who missed so much early of the season, unhealthy, uh, being unhealthy, the 22-year-old, so many different nagging injuries. And, you know, you look for Ann Lee here this year, she's under 500 from a record perspective, but... I think she's played better of late, whether it was the win over Claire Liu in Tallinn before getting knocked out 5-5 five and five by Kanepi. I thought she played pretty solid in a 2-3 and three loss to Own Jabur last week in Monastir. I think we're starting to see much more of the Ann Lee that we saw at the end of 2021 as opposed to the Ann Lee we saw uh, certainly just deal with various injuries throughout the course of the season. The 22-year-old seems healthy once again. I think this match is a battle, and if I'm looking at it, I probably take the over 20 and a half games at minus 120. Maybe take the over two and a half sets in this match, which you can do uh, with a pretty comfortable plus 150 margin as well. But that's a stay away from a money line perspective, where Potapova is a minus 200 favorite now. Tennis Abstract has Potapova as an underdog. It has Ann Lee, 54.5% chance of winning the match. So take that however you'd like. The point is I'm staying away from that one. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. If that's my favorite match, though, in Romania tomorrow, Diane Perry versus Victoria Golubic is number two. And every fiber of my being says take Diane Perry plus 145 tomorrow. I think you look at the money line for Perry, who has made, what, four quarterfinals at the tour level since the start of July. Her big first serve, big plus one move forward, back things up at the net uh, sort of game, I think fits perfectly for these indoor hard courts in Romania. But she's going to have a tricky one as she takes on Victoria Golubic. Now, feels like 
you know, again, this is the WTA saying we're done with one-handed backhands. Perry Golubic, the only two one-handers in the WTA top 100 right now. Golubic, you like her firepower. You like that firepower in particular, how its ability would be to pick on the Perry backhand. That said, I like Diane Perry. I really do in this matchup. Now, Golubic, 67.1% favorite according to Tennis Abstract, but... That's just because they don't know enough about Diane Perry yet, and we do here on this Ace of the Day segment. We've watched as much Diane Perry, that serve, that plus one forehand in particular, her ability to move forward, the athleticism, the fluidity out of corners, the footwork to find forehands. Maybe you take the over in this match, over two and a half sets between these two, plus 155, over 21 and a half games, minus uh, 110. Other than that, it would be a stay away for me. Just kick my feet up. Enjoy that one. Of course, you look at the other matches over in Romania. Kalanina, Bouchard. Bouchard somehow a minus 145 favorite. I know Kalanina hasn't been healthy. She hasn't played a ton of tennis yet, but yeah. No, thank you. That's a stay away for me. Uh, Wang Xiu, minus 180 against Jacqueline Christan. Again, Wang Xiu's been the better player of late. Minus 180. Christan had a really good, uh, Christian, excuse me, had a very good Romania run last year so take the over or maybe you take Christian plus 135 uh, you know Parizas Diaz Barra that's going to be a grind Danilovic Rakimova that's going to be a grind so as you look up and down the board should be a fun day of action in Romania we're going to stick with this look around the rest of the board theme as well as my final two aces of the day on the ATP side so let's quickly jump through all the San Diego matches we're going to have tomorrow um, I, I screwed up the schedule a bit on my part I talked yesterday about Kudermatova Stevens Fernandez Kasakina I thought both of those matches were going to be on Monday. Turns out it's on Tuesday. For what it's worth, Kudermatova went from minus 290 money line to minus 300. Still live in the points race. Her serve, top five in hold percentage on the WTA Tour this season. Her ability to find that plus one forehand's the single biggest weapon in the match. And then, again, of late, Kudermatova has displayed a physicality that, in my opinion, will certainly be able to match that of Sloane Stevens. So I would throw Kudermatova. You know, the problem is she's minus four and a half games. And Sloane Stevens is on home soil in the United States. So that's a stay away for me. If you want to throw a little Kudermatova Rabakina parlay, though, Rabakina minus 270 against Muguruza. Has Muguruza done anything to inspire confidence that she's going to be able to weather the big serve, big plus one game of Rabakina? Certainly no. I mean, that said, that was a match I looked at closely. Rabakina minus three and a half games tomorrow is minus 125 compared to her minus 270 money line. It's just a stay away. Like, what happens if Muguruza wakes up? And all of a sudden, she just regains that form. Now, it seems impossible to happen, but just about everything in the ups and down, up and down career of Garbine Muguruza has been seemingly impossible. So that's a stay away for me. Apparently, the public agrees with my Daria Kasakina spec- uh, skepticism taking on Leila Fernandez tomorrow. I just think it's a good matchup for Fernandez. And so that's another underdog plus 150 I may look at, of course, for what it's worth, according to Tennis Abstract Kasakina is the favorite by percentages. Three new matches in San Diego tomorrow. Maria Sakari, minus 180 as she takes on Donna Vekic. Give me the over two and a half sets in that match, certainly, plus 120. 
Does anyone feel confident enough in Maria Sakkari to bet on her to win a match, to cover a game spread, etc.? Um, with all due respect, no. I, I don't think you can answer that question justifiably as a yes. So that's 1,000% a stay away for me, unless you want to end up hitting the over. The other two lopsided favorites, Carolina Pliskova, minus 700 over Caroline Dalahide. Goff, minus 700 against Robin Montgomery. The Goff-Montgomery game match is interesting. And over 18.5 in that, just because those are two peers. Two young Americans who have competed against one another before, or at least been around once and one another tangentially before. I mean, Goff should win, but that's a stay away for me. Pliskova should beat Dalahide Again, who's better at the plus one tennis? With all due respect to Caroline Dalahide I'll take Carolina Pliskova. That said, it's minus five and a half games for both Goff and Pliskova. And as we've learned over the year, that's just too many games to feel comfortable wagering on. So that's all of your San Diego action. It's going to be really, really fun Tuesday of play. And of course, we'll recap it all over on the Mini Break podcast tomorrow. With that said, it's time to move over to the men's side of things. And with that time for Ace of the Day number two. It's a familiar name here to our Cracked Rackets fans. We've spent a lot of time talking about him since the French Open has been one of the, I don't want to say lowercase b, not it's not a capital letter b, but has clearly taken a leap forward here in 2022. And of course, I'm referring to Brandon Nakashima, who has been excellent since the start of the French Open. You look for Nakashima overall this season. I mean, since that, excuse me, French Open run, it's been laughable. And you look at what he's been able to do uh, over the course since that French Open, obviously captured his first title in San Diego uh, a couple of weeks ago, was able to play fantastic four-set match against Yannick Sinner at the U.S. Open. Obviously also reached the second round, uh, uh, second round, excuse me, second week of Wimbledon before getting knocked out in five sets uh, by eventual finalist Nick Kyrgios. But again, and I know we've listed this number before, you look for Brandon Nakashima since the start of that 2020 French Open. He's 24 and 11 overall. And, you know, it hasn't been a cupcake schedule. He's played entirely Eight, uh, excuse me, entirely ATP level events, but one, he played the Serpentin Challenger on grass courts where the guy who knocked him out in the quarterfinal was none other than Andy Murray. And again, you look for Nakashima 24 and 11 overall since the start of the French Open against players ranked outside the top 50. Nakashima 21 and 2. Let me say that again 21 and 2 overall against opponents ranked outside the top 50 during this stretch of time. He's holding serve 92.4% against that those opponents during that stretch. And again, that number there epitomizes the jump we've seen from Brandon. He just hits all of his spots with such ease now on the serve and follows them up ruthless, with ruthless efficiency, whether it be you know the slice out wide on the deuce followed up by the plus one forehand to the open space, whether it be you know flat down the tee on the ad side, flat into your body on the ad side. He'll even throw that flat out wide with a little bit of kick as well uh, on that ad side. And, you know, you can't attack his backhand because world class on that wing. And he's he's just settled things down on the forehand side. The backswing's a little bit more condensed. He's that much more comfortable swinging through that ball as an approach shot. He continues to improve as a volleyer with each and every match that he plays. There's a reason the 20-year-old, uh, 21-year-old, excuse me, is currently sitting at number 46, a career high in the live rankings. You go 24 and 11 over a four and a half month stretch of time. Yeah, 
you're clearly a top 50 player on the ATP Tour. And while, you know, Nakashima tomorrow takes on a guy with far more experience than him in Richard Gasquet, he's also taken on a guy who respectfully just hasn't had the year that Nakashima has. And in particular, while Gasquet is 30 and 22 overall on the season, he's 7 and 6 when he faces top 50 opponents. And, you know, the break percentage for Gasquet dips from 24.5% overall on the year, which would be above the average of a top 50 player to 20% overall. You look at the serve for Gasquet. Holding serve, 78.2%, pretty much regardless of the level of his opponent. But, you know, that's not an elite serve. That's four five, uh, 4%, excuse me, I'm looking at the number now, 4% below the average of a top 50 player. And I do think against Brandon, if you can hit a big serve into his forehand, you can certainly have more opportunities to attack. But again, Gasquet is a guy who wants to bait you into making the wrong decision. He wants to force you to feel as though you're pressing and force you to, that you have to hit that approach shot a little bit earlier than you'd like to because, you know, he is leaving that ball short or you feel like, all right, this is my moment to attack, attack that one-handed backhand or perhaps more importantly, attack that Gasquet forehand on the run, force him to hit one of those running chop slices that he loves to hit or just, you know, again, pressure that side with pace, I think Nakashima's serve is particularly well-suited to pressure the Gasquet forehand tomorrow. I also just, again, eye test-wise, physicality-wise, recent result-wise, Brandon has been the better player than Richard Gasquet. And while Gasquet's been better than I have made him out to be at times this season, I mean, for God's sake, 36 years old, he's holding strong in the top 100, has to be one of the five oldest players left in the ATP Top 100 singles rankings. He's been fine. But fine is no longer good enough to knock off Brandon Nakashima. So give me Nakashima to not only win tomorrow's match, I think he's going to win it comfortably. And you look at the odds tomorrow, Nakashima minus 265 money line. That's just, you know, again, that's too much juice for my taste. But you can get him to win a straight set match. Minus three and a half games, minus 115. And again... This guy who's holding serve 92.4% of the time against opponents ranked outside the top 50. If applied to the full season, that would trail only Nick Kyrgios in terms of hold percentage this season. Brandon is peaking, playing the best tennis of his career, 21 years old. One would expect him to continue to get better. I just think this is a good matchup for Nakashima, who is too disciplined to offer up these sort of unforced errors that, with all due respect, Richard Gasquet needs to coax out of opponents to have success at this point. So give me Nakashima. We'll take the game spread and the added value. Minus three and a half games over Gasquet. Minus 115 quarter of a unit to win 0.21 in return. That's ace of the day number two. Ace of the day number three. A little money line parlay. Let's get a little risk it for the biscuit-ish here on our GSP ace of the day here on Tuesday. We're taking two guys who honestly, I mean, they should win comfortably. And that's why we're taking them, you know, we should have taken them on the game spread to extract even more value. But because I think both will win comfortably and because I can extract pretty decent odds out of the out of this money line parlay, let's go with Lorenzo Sinego, Marcos Giron, money line parlay tomorrow. We'll start with Sinego because I think the case is pretty simple to make. You look for Lorenzo Sinego, 27 years old, just won the title. Indoor hard courts of Mets a few weeks ago. After winning 
those five consecutive matches. What did he do the following Monday, Tuesday, whatever it was? He earned a 3-4 and four victory over Bernabe Zapata Morales. I'm pretty sure that match was one of our aces of the day. We benefited on it. You look for him in Florence, guess who he's going to face? First round, Zapata Morales once again, and obviously for Senego to be competing in his home country, something he's got to be excited about. He's played exceptional tennis of late. His only loss, again, in his last two events, 6-7, 6-4, 6-3, where he kind of ran out of juice at the end against Holger Runa, but he's had a full week to recharge his batteries. You look for Senego again, 26-25 and 25 overall on the year, but certainly trending in the right direction as he's won six of his last seven matches. On the flip side, you look for 25-year-old Bernabe Zapata Morales. Yes, he's sitting at a career high, number 74 in the rankings, but Zapata Morales, uh, Two and five, I believe, at the ATP level on hard courts this season. I want to say four and seven overall. You look for him in his career in ATP level hard court, or excuse me, in hard court matches against top 100 opponents. Zapata Morales, five and 11 overall when he's faced top 100 opponents. And, you know, the key is the context. Who has he beaten? Radu Elbot, John Millman, Feliciano Lopez in 2021, which shouldn't count, Hugo Gaston, and Taro Daniel. None of those players have the weapons at this stage of their career. Again, this stage, Feliciano Lopez just does not have the weapons to hang uh, with Lorenzo Senego at this point. The serve, the forehand are the two biggest weapons on the court. His serve into that Zapata Morales forehand on a quicker service. It's going to be a nightmare for the 25-year-old Spaniard to deal with. And again, we saw this matchup like a week ago. Two weeks ago, and you know it was a three and four win for Zapata Morales. Uh, for excuse me, Senego. Even if Zapata Morales does a little bit better this time, we're not taking a game spread. We just need Senego to get over the finish line once more. I expect him to do that. Minus three thirty again for all the reasons we have elaborated on in the past, and then. I kind of like 29-year-old Marcos Giron tomorrow, the world number 62, taking on Albert Ramos of Vinolas uh, over in Gion. You look for Giron, uh, finalist in San Diego. He's now won six of his last nine matches but uh, and eight of his last 12 overall, eight of his last 13. But who are the last five losses to? Nakashima and San Diego. We just sang Nakashima's praises. He lost to Tiafo at the U.S. Open. Well, Francis went on to make the semifinals. No shame in that loss. No shame in a loss to RBA in Cincy, particularly after beating Kudla, Fonini, and Goffin. To get to that point, lost to RBA in Canada after qualifying as well. Lost first round in D.C. Uh, to eventual champion Nick Kyrgios. So again, where's the bad loss over the course of the past two months? I just don't see it for Marcos Giron, who is coming off of a San Diego final, who last season at this time, you know, reached the round of 16 in Paris, reached the semifinals in Sofia, quarterfinals in Mets. Indoor hard courts uh, seem to bring out the best in Giron, despite the fact that he is a Southern California kid and maybe played indoors three times uh, during his upbringing. That said, you look for Giron, I mean, he plays the quintessential clay quarter, with all due respect. And Albert Ramos Vinolas, you look for Albert Ramos Vinolas. He is now 12 and 23 in hard court matches since the start of January 2020 at the ATP level. 8 and 21 when he's been forced to face top 100 opponents. And, you know, for what it's worth, Giron, a 6 3, 4 6, 6 1 victory over Ramos Vinolas back in first round of the Paris Masters all the way back in 2020. If you ask who's improved more, 
on indoor hard courts. You know, who's just whose game is better at this point now on this surface? I think despite Ramos Vinolas being the the eighth seed, I think we would all agree his ball sits up a little bit shorter. You know, the, the his ability to spread the court is a little bit less effective when guys like Giron have a little bit better traction as they do on the hard courts. His ability to hit that ball behind you somewhat neutralized when it's a little bit easier to shift directions. I like Marcos Giron tomorrow, and so does Tennis Abstract, and so does our friends at DraftKings. Giron, 60% favorite, according to Tennis Abstract. You can also get his money line tomorrow, fairly decent odds, minus 205. That feels like a bit of a bargain uh, for all of us tennis fans, and you know, again, Maybe you want to take the game spread here. Garon minus three and a half games. Pretty comfortable, minus 105. If we wanted to bet this match individually, that's what I'd do. But A, Ramos Vinolas is a little death by a thousand paper cups. He'll linger and then... You know, if you have a dip in your level for even five minutes, he's just going to be in that position to take advantage of that fact. So the fact that we can get minus 205 money line... um, and parlay that with Sinego and get things down to minus 108, that feels like a winner to me. So let's do exactly that. Let's throw in a little money line parlay. Lorenzo Sinego, minus 330 over Zapata Morales. Marcos Giron, minus 205 over Ramos Vinolas. Minus 108 on the money line parlay. We'll throw another quarter unit on that to win 0.23. By the way, for Nakashima's minus three and a half games over Gasquet, he's minus 115. We're throwing a quarter unit on that to win 0.21 in return. Those are your aces of the day. Let's quickly look at the rest of our men's matches, though. Overall, I'll take over two and a half sets in Van Reithoven, Michael Emer, Michael Emer, excuse me. And more broadly, that's a fantastic contrast of styles. The big serving plus one aggression of Van Reithoven versus the physicality of Emer. Sign me up for that match. Should be fun. Gofen Passaro. Passaro, one of the many talented young Italians out on tour right now. Gofen minus 425, minus four and a half games. Those are both vomit zone numbers. So no thank you on that. Sasha Bublik minus 380 uh, over Christian Garin. He probably should win tomorrow's match. Minus three and a half games, minus 150, though. Just a little too rich for my blood. Uh, and then your final one happening tomorrow in Florence. Marton Fucevic uh, taking on Oscar Ota. Ota minus 145. Sure, big serving German. Indoor hard courts. Maybe you like him there. I like the over more than anything else. Over 22 and a half games, minus 110. Over two and a half sets in that match, plus 130. But yeah, both players too erratic. No, thank you. No wagers for me on that one, of course. Those are your Florence odds. Let's look quickly at Hion uh, to end things now. Fonini, minus 210. Uh, money line over Guinard, minus three and a half games, minus 110. Bet on Fabio Fonini at your own peril. Trungaletti versus Alvarez Verona. That match has over written all over it. Same with Davidovich Fokina Murray. I just. I don't feel confident enough about either of these players to make a significant wager. It's even odds, minus 115 apiece. Again, if you like the over in sets, I don't mind that at all. At plus 130, over 22 and a half games, minus 110. And then Avashka Lopez. I wanted to take Avashka, but the idea of picking Ilya Avashka to cover minus four and a half games, that just feels like a little bit too much to me. So I'm staying away from a bunch of that, but I like a bunch of overs on the day, as I always do. And I honestly feel pretty good about our aces of the day heading into Tuesday, October 11th. Again, we're doing it for Super Producer Behind the Scenes, my former college roommate, near and dear friend Michael Azapardi. When in doubt, 
Trust your eyes. Trust the tennis gods. Have some faith in this Ace of the Day segment. With that said, a shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westa, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout-out as well, of course, to our friends at DraftKings to learn more about all the odds offered each and every day or to get in on the action yourself. Just turn to the DraftKings Sportsbook today, of course. With all of that said, just to quickly recap, your GSP Aces of the Day give me hair Harriet Dart, minus one and a half games over Ocean Doden, minus 125.25 units to win point two in return. Give me Nakashima, minus three and a half games over Gasquet, minus 115, a quarter of the unit to win point two one. And then how about a little money line parlay? Senego, Giron, on the money line, minus 108, quarter of a unit to win point two three. Those are your aces of the day for Tuesday, October 11th. With that said, four our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. May the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. 